Time doesn't exist. Based on quantum physics, time doesn't actually exist. So if we can change the past, it also changes right now. So if we can get rid of the awareness of a problem, it completely, based off quantum physics, removes it from ourselves. Let school, become an apprentice carpenter. I thought that was the thing for me. We're working nine, 10 hours a day. And I quickly figured out that if I didn't figure out a way to make money while I sleep, or at least make money doing the things I love, then I will work until the day I die. A lot of people are living in a reality and they think it's the reality, but it's their reality. That's it. Brain processes two million bits of information a second. They can only actually consciously process that we're aware of about 134 bits of that information. So the rest of it is being left out unconsciously. Our brain will delete it, generalize it, or distort it. How does someone create a powerful vision for their life? Pretty simply, go forward five years and pretend like you've got a blank canvas and just paint whatever the fuck you want on it. Just quickly before we get started, guys, if you've been enjoying the podcast, can I please ask that you consider leaving a five-star review and subscribing on whatever platform you've been listening. It really helps the podcast grow. All right, welcome back to another episode of Life, Money, and Love. Our, our guest today is Morgan Nelson. He's the founder and CEO of the Morgan T. Nelson Events Company, which is uh, something I'm extremely interested in. Obviously, I'm, I can't wait to talk about all this, but uh, one of Australia's fastest growing personal and professional development companies, helping millennials break through a life of fear, doubts, limitations, and create a life that they fucking enjoy and, and really love and, and isn't something that they just follow into because, you know, school, teachers, society told them. So that's something that I'm super interested in. Um, you're, you're, a, I wouldn't say a master, but you've spent a decade studying human psychology and neuroscience and the work you do at your programs and at your events, uh, help uh, people reprogram their minds and nervous systems for success, joy, and clarity. So can't wait to dig into all, all of that stuff. Um, we're also doubling up again, another double day. So you're, you're the host of the dream out loud podcast, which will be going back to back. Um, so people will be able to hear the flip side of this story released as well. Um, but Morgan, thanks for coming. I already kind of told you just before we started recording, I want to do something different with this episode, just because you're such, um, you're such a wealth of knowledge of tips and strategies and experiences around personal development, changing people's lives, you know, reshaping their perspectives and making them realize the full potential. So we'll get a little bit of context on who you are and how you got to where you are today. Cause I think it's important, but with you, I, I want to spend a lot of time, as I said, discussing some really interesting topics and, and discussion points as we get into the podcast, but yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks for the bottle of champagne for my birthday. Much <laughs> mate, appreciated. Mate, I'm, I'm really excited to come in. I've seen everything you've been doing, the people you've been bringing on the show. Um, so yeah, hats off to you also for just creating a freaking dope podcast here and putting out amazing content. I, I wish we had this stuff. Um, like I was talking to somebody yesterday, I forget who I was talking to. And I'm like, no, I was talking to my friend. I don't know if you know Chris Griffin. Chris. He's blown up last few months on TikTok Peter and Instagram. Griffin's son? Yeah, it's, it's, it, he's blown up. He's he's young. He's twenty one. He's like yeah. he's just crushing it. And we we're having a chat, and he's like into entrepreneurship and business. I'm like, bro, the questions you're asking now, the things you're doing at twenty one, just blowing my mind. Because when I, was, I started my first business at twenty one, but kind of by accident, but I was sort of looking for it. But I'm like, but you you had access to all these podcasts and all this shit in school. Like he was consuming this type of content when he's sixteen, seventeen. I'm like, it's just it's just a different era now. I'm like, I'm like, it really is the era. Like, like if, if you, if you're younger now and you're complaining about not really having the life you want or not really the bank account, blah, blah, it's kind of really is your fault now mm -hmm. because there's so much resources out there. But back when I started, it wasn't as much. And is I just love like all these podcasts that are out there now. There's so much information that's accessible to just get wisdom from all these amazing guests that you can bring that people can just literally take and change their life. It's, if, it's incredible. If that's the case, and this is this, like, I don't know where you stand on this, but if that's the case, right. And universal, universally, there's this kind of, um, 
cliche or belief that the next generation, the Gen Zs or whatever, are softer. They can't, they don't have the thick skin. They don't really, you know, take action on these things. If that's the case, why they have all this awesome information that we didn't have access to, why do you think there's this perception that the next generation aren't, you know, savages? I think because it's come too easy for them. If you think about like, think about what we had to do when, how old are you? 30. Just 30, 30 so, so am I. Hey, hey, yeah. 93, baby. Literally, right? yeah. I think my birth time is like, was my actual birth time was 10 or 15 minutes ago. Yeah. So I'm as close to 30 as you can be. Think, think about like every, everything's a dopamine loop, right? Mm-hmm. So think about what you had to do when you were growing up to get that dopamine. Like I had to go and get my bike ride my fucking bike, 30 minutes to the bike jumps, to hang, <laughs> to hang out with my friends, to figure out what my friends were doing, have that adrenaline rush, have that entertainment. Um, you know, like they, those were the things that I did. And if you think now the average teenagers growing up with TikTok on their phone, where they just got instant, just dopamine, just blowing up their face all day long. YouTube, they got all these things that are so accessible to them. And then you also throw into the mix of anything they want. So remember, do you remember growing up when we watched a TV show? We had to wait a fucking week mm. for the next episode. Remember that? We had to wait a week. So we we learn, I think, delayed gratification better than what this generation has. So, and then for us to really get that hit and it always, it, the episode would finish, leave you that cliffhanger like, ah, mm. and then you'd wait and you'd pencil in and then the whole family would watch that TV show or, or, or whatever. But this day and age, they're like, oh, I want to watch that TV show. I'm just going to binge watch the entire thing in a day because it's all on Netflix. So they get what they want like this. You can also ask Alexa to order shit. Hey, Alexa, order this from Amazon and bang. Like you don't have to get on your phone anymore to order. Like it's just things are a lot more accessible now. And we're used to being able to talk to Siri and get whatever we want really quickly, download things fast. Like remember dial-up internet, all this shit. We went through actually knowing like we had that period of delaying that dopamine effect with the delaying the thing we want, we actually have to go out and get and, and work for. Then you go back hundreds and hundreds of years, they had to go and hunt for it. Mm. You know, so I think the and and it's a blessing and a curse. Cause like I'm I'm really grateful for the era that I grew up in because I grew up in knowing what it was like to just yeah, how you know what time it is when the sun goes down, just make sure you're home before mum yells at you. Street lights come on, yeah. get on your bike. Yeah, right. If the street lights coming on, just go home, right? And I'm so grateful for that. And then to also go out the other period of when phones and technology really started to grow and having that to expand my life. So I'm really grateful for that. So if we look at why do you think this next generation is softer, mm-hmm. could be the combination of that, like getting things really, 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 really fast. And when they don't get it, it's like, well, and then they have like a little tantrum. Um, but then also we look at, go back a couple generations, you know, our great grandparents went through the war era, the great depression era. Like my great, uh, my grandmother went through the great depression. So they went through real struggle. The average person went through real struggle. And then they probably passed down to our parents. If you can get a job, work hard, work hard, get that job, be grateful for it, you know, save money, blah, blah, blah. And now we watched our parents go, I don't fucking want that. So we're in the generation going like, I want to create more things myself. But then if we, it's sort of like the pendulum swinging each way. So now the pendulum's probably swung back the other way for the next generation where they've watched people like our generation grow up and be a little softer because we are softer than our parents' generation. Sure, yeah. They were just hard asses, right? Like imagine what they had to do to build a business like what you've done. Imagine that door, doors they had to fucking knock yeah. on to sell shit, right? Like Ray Kroc out of the boot of his fucking car. You know, like it's just crazy shit. That's what they had to do. Then it just got easier and easier and easier. So I think the reason this generation is a lot softer is just because they're used to getting things really easy and when they don't get it, they don't understand it. And so they shouldn't. They didn't, they didn't grow up with them. But I, I think it's... It's a blessing and a curse because 
sometimes I work too hard. I should work smarter. Sometimes I think it's got to be the hard way when it actually could be, no, actually, and you, you don't have to do all and that. And bro, do you, do you get that, you get that guilt when, it, when it's not the hard way? Yeah. I've had, feel, to, I've had to relearn weird. that over the last couple of years in business that I don't have to be depressed and not, not depressed. I don't have to be sitting at my desk, not yeah. enjoying it, staring at a screen for 16 hours a day to feel like I'm, I'm working hard and being productive and getting shit done. No. And why would the fuck would I want that anyway? I want to work as little as I can and have the most impact so I can have the most epic life. It's funny. Like I, I do the same. I was talking the the woman I interviewed yesterday, we were talking about this. I'm like, and I haven't, I have not gotten this under, under control yet. Like, cause sometimes if, if, if I got nothing on my diary, I'm like, something must be wrong. <laughs> it's going to be something, right? Cause usually I plan shit so well. If there's no work on my diary, it's, there's play and it's fun. And it's, so I'm usually really busy all the time, but doing things that are really, really productive or at least love and, and enjoy. Like as soon as I get home, I, I fly home today, tomorrow I've got a full day planned out and then I run a four day leadership program. And then as soon as that finishes, I've got bookings and meetings and everything next week. Then I go to Bali. No, so I go to Morton Island for a weekend and then I go to Bali for two weeks to run a mastermind over there. So I've like the next time to get on my schedule for an hour call, my assistant told me the other day, she's like, somebody wants to book in for a one-on-one call with you. Cool. When are we doing it? December 7th is your next one. Free. I'm like, okay, just, I guess just book that in. Cause like it's, it's, I'm booked and planned. If something happens sometimes where, cause we're growing and scaling the team where the team now just know how to do some of the things I was doing. And I'm like, well, what do I do today? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I've got this under control now. I'm like, hmm. And it, it's, it's interesting journey. Cause some, like sometimes I, I get not bored, but I, I get extremely unproductive in those areas. So I need to know what I'm doing. Mm. So if it, but I'm, but I'm the same though. I'm like, if it, it's like, I, it's a problem still for yeah. sure. For, for the context, before we get into kind of a little bit of the backstory, what like, People that don't know you, your work, what would you, how would you describe you and your businesses and what you do today? <laughs> uh, how would I describe my businesses? What I do? I take people through a bubble bath of the mind for a weekend. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, pretty much like, you know, so I'll give some context. So, you know, what, what we do now is personal development and professional development company. So my main program I run is called the dream out loud method. And pretty much what that is, I'm going to start writing a book on it is exactly that. What is the method? What is the actual framework to dream out loud? Everyone's got dreams. Everyone's got this purpose or, and everyone does have a purpose. It's just been clouded by opinions and judgments and people growing up, society, all these sorts of things. I really believe everybody has that thing that's theirs. And so the first step is to really get clear on what it actually is. But then there is a process and a framework. We can go over like the four pillars of literally creating a dream life. And it's what I did. I, I found it out through the harder way, but then the way it's out. Like I, I really believe I had to learn it myself. So then I can teach it as the message I'm bringing to this earth. My purpose here is to teach the things that hurt me so much. You know what I mean? And a mentor sat me down one time. He said, Morgan, 20% of everything that happens to you is happening for you. Okay. For you to learn your lessons. 80% of what happens to you, all the bad shit, all the crap things you're going through happens for you to learn how to teach it to someone else. So they don't have to go through it. And that's what this world is all about. We're learning lessons. We can teach other people and, and pass it down knowledge and all these sorts of things. So what the, you know, they've got the dream out loud method program. That's, that's a behemoth. Then we've got like leadership programs, a, a money program. Cause I noticed that, you know, I don't know about you. Did you ever learn money in school? Not at all. No, right. Like, but no, we had to read fucking to kill a mockingbird again. Right. But they didn't teach us how to get rich. They didn't teach us how to manage money. They didn't even teach us about taxes or finance basic. They didn't even teach us about a profit and loss. Even if you don't run a business, you should still understand a profit and loss. Mm -hmm. How much money did I make this month? 
how much did I spend this month? What am I doing with my profit? Can I invest? Like, how do I, like most basic shit, we didn't learn it. So we've, we've got a program for money and, and all these sorts of things. But it, it came because, you know, I didn't hate school, but I didn't, I didn't get it. I, I wasn't good at it. I wasn't good at it. I stayed for the parties and the girls. It was, it was really fun. I got that. Everyone's telling me, they're like, you should leave, go get an apprenticeship. I'm like, fucking kidding you? Yeah. This is so fun. There's a party every single weekend. I flirt with all the girls at school every day. Like it's like all the hot girls will hang out with all the footy boys. Like this is amazing. I'm not gonna leave. I'm gonna leave all this behind. And um, I stayed all the way to year 12. Say so another, another, another example, trying to rush people straight into the workforce as well. Dude, so they sat me down in grade 10, gave me this big booklet and they said, pick which career you want to do for the rest of your life. I was 15, right? Because you should know that by then, yeah? So I'm like, I don't fucking know. What, which one makes the most money? So I flicked to the back of the book, go right to the bottom, mechanical engineer. That's what I want to do. Make like half a million dollars a year, they said. And they said to me, Morgan, you're not smart enough to study that because in order for you to become that, you need to study this and this next, the next two years to then get into university to study this. And, you know, based off your grades now, you're not going to get into that. So pick something else. So I go, okay, next one, electrical engineer. Let's do that one. And they're like, Morgan, this is what we're trying to say, bro. <laughs> and they say, I don't think you're getting yeah. us, Morgan. So they said to us, they're like, go and do something with your hands, trade time for money. You know, do, become a tradie, become a mechanic or something like that. So that's what I did. Left school, become an apprentice carpenter. I thought that was the thing for me. We're working nine, 10 hours a day. And I quickly figured out that if I didn't figure out a way to make money while I sleep, or at least make money doing the things I love, then I will work until the day I die. And with that whole environment, I remember looking on, on, it was like my first week on the job site. I looked to the right of me, and there was this bunch of older people in their 50s and raging alcoholics, skin like, this skin like had leather skin, right? Because it's been in the sun their whole life. And this one guy in particular was riding his bicycle to work every day. I asked some of the other guys, why does this guy ride his bike? Everyone's got a ute. I thought that's what tradies do. You have a ute. He goes, oh, well, he's been done too many times drink driving, so he can't get a license anymore. Fuck. So I looked at this and I'm like, that's the future here. Mm. And then one day a guy in a brand new BMW drives on a recruiting site, gets out with like a college shirt on. I said, who's this guy? And they go, well, he's the developer. Like just, you know, keep working, act busy. You know, he's the developer. He's the big boss here. I'm like brand new car, looks nice. He's clean. We're <laughs> muddy and dirty. What's going on here? So then I quickly thought I need to become the developer. And if I can, if I can, if I can actually retire by the age of 45, 50 through that, then that's it. So that caused me to actually focus on getting really committed into the apprenticeship. It, it led me down the path of everyone around me at the time. This is where I really figured out the first pillar is for creating your dream life because everyone around me was toxic. They were depressed. They were angry. They were alcoholics. And we went away and worked in Mackay. Now we, instead of working nine hours a day, we're working 14 hours a day, seven days a week. We're all sleeping in the same house. There's 12 trades, two bedroom house. It's fucking horrible. And didn't take too long before I'm drinking every single day like them. I'm using drugs in the morning to wake up every day, drugs in the afternoon to keep going, drugs at nighttime just to kill it all and numb it all out. And, you know, it got so bad. And this is why I say about all this amazing content out now. This is, I was 19, this is 11 years ago. There was no like podcast out there. There's, there wasn't even a conversation of what, I didn't know the feeling I felt. I was like, now I was like extremely depressed and sad. I didn't understand that. I was like, I think I'm broken. It's like, what the fuck's going on? And it got so bad where my self-esteem was so low, my self-confidence was so low, where in a complete dope state, I tried to take my own life at 19. 
Because I thought, I was like, it's going to be way more painful to actually stay here than it will be to leave. And that was the only way I thought was out. And through that, it actually taught me. I asked myself the question, so Morgan, how come back here, when you're 18, you first started as a trader, you're loving life. Good job, going out with your friends every weekend, surfing, all this. And then now here you are a year later, addicted to drugs, alcohol, trying to kill yourself. What went wrong? And the question was, it's a different environment. And I started to figure out that we literally do become the people we surround ourselves with. But we've, we've all, we all know that. Like, I think that's like personal development 101. I got a Jim Rohn CD when I was 21, put it in my car and it says, you are the sum of the five people you surround yourself with. I was like, whoa. So you're telling me if I find five rich, happy people, hang around with them, I can become one too. So crazy, huh? And, and, and it started to blow my mind. But here's the thing. Everybody knows this, okay? And, and there's three levels of learning. People can know information. Second one, they can understand information. That's where people get stuck at university, colleges, professors. Like, did you ever go to university? For like two months. Two months. You've grown one of the biggest businesses in Australia, right? It, it makes no sense. Why would go to school, university, and no disrespect to any professors listening, because I'm sure they'd probably agree that this is the problem we have. Because professors that are teaching business, for example, they're stuck at level two learning, which is understanding. They understand knowledge enough. They understand the philosophies, the principles, the frameworks enough to teach it. But if they really got it, wouldn't they be in level three and actually embody it? Because if you're learning from someone teaching you business that doesn't have a business, that makes no sense to me. No sense. Because they only practically know it. They don't actually know what it actually takes. And, and that's sort of the big problem. So when people hear, they're like, oh, you're just some of the five people who change your environment. I get it, I get it, I get it. You got to understand this, that the first ever psychological test they did on human beings what they did was they got four people, put them in a room and they put four lines on the screen. Like three lines were all the exact same. One line was double, double the size. And they said to the three of them were paid actors. One was a real person. They said to the paid actors, go in there and choose A. You have to choose A. It's the small one. So they go in, they choose A. The real person comes in and he's like, fuck. He's thinking these guys are cook. You know, the, you know, the psychedelic testing is next door guys. Like, what are you doing here? Right. And he laughs at them and he chooses it's D. Clearly D, it's double as high. It's like it's D. They reset, they do it again. They shuffle it all up. They tell the actors, come in, choose B this time. They come in, they choose B. This guy comes in, he looks at these guys more doubtful now. Second time, more doubtful. He's like, no, it's, it's D. The answer's D. Like they reset, they did it again. Third time, he's like, no, it's, it's D. Gets more and more and more doubtful. By the time they get to the fourth, fifth, or sixth time, every single time they've done this test, you know what happens? They go with the crowd. The guy comes in and goes, you know, yeah, it's A as well. And what this has shown us is a few things. <clears throat> what it's shown us is our environment is stronger than willpower. But I want people to understand why, because this is it. Think back to tribal days. If you're on your own, it's dangerous. If you're with a clan, you're safe. So what it's been proven as human beings that we feel safer. It's more important for us to actually be with a clan, be with a group than to stand out and be alone because we perceive it as dangerous. We, we all want to survive. The, the prime directive of the unconscious mind is to keep you alive. It must keep you alive. That's it. It's going to keep you alive before it makes you rich. It's going to keep you alive before it makes you happy. It's going to keep you alive before it does anything you actually want. That's his primary thing. So if the attainment or the pursuit of the thing we actually want, we perceive unconsciously that it's going to bring us something we don't want, then we'll do anything to avoid it. If we perceive it's going to be fearful, doubt, 
we will get kicked out of the clan. Anything that might scare us or hurt us or perceived it could hurt, kill us or something, we'll, we'll sabotage it because our, pr- our prime responsibility is to keep us living. And it comes down to this environment thing. So this guy, now let's look at the line. Let's say the line is his dreams. Let's say the line is going, oh, but I know, I know I could kill it in this business. I trust myself. I know I got this vision. But everyone else around him is going, no, it's A, it's A. Eventually, you'll okay, go, no, it is. Give up on his dreams, give up on his goals, give up on his own truth. And I do this in rooms. I do this in rooms. I say, who, who would, which line do you think is, is what? And they're all like, oh, it's, it's D. I said, are you sure? And just by doubting them and questioning them, I convinced about 80% of the audience that it's not. <laughs> Fucking wild. Mm-hmm. And there's only some people there who are like, no, it is. And maybe they've listened to a podcast where I've shared it before. They're like, no, 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 and they know the answer. But I, I convinced only 80% of the audience every time by, by, sec- by the second, third, or fourth time to actually give up and say, uh, and say, no, it's not that answer anymore. I make them doubt their own reality because of me as the authority saying, no, it's not. But then you also think about government, social media, biggest influencers in the world, or how we're literally being influenced psychologically to fit into the norm and not go after things we want, right? We're, we're being persuaded and influenced for everywhere based off the environment. But then let's reverse it. Let's say, because when I figured this out, I was like, this is, this is phenomenal. What if I can flip it and use this power of environment to my advantage? Because what if... What I think normal is, is being mediocre. What if I, what I think normal is, is being broke and being unhappy and getting a nine to five job and giving up my dreams and my ambitions and working 50 weeks a year and taking two weeks off and then being broke for two weeks. What if I think that's normal? But if I get all these people around me who think that's fucking weird and they're all choosing A, but I'm like, no guys, it's D. Like, what do you mean? You can't be a millionaire. I legitimately thought you, the only way you could be a millionaire is if you inherited it or won the lottery. Like that's, I didn't think. You could just, I didn't think normal people could be millionaires. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And, and so everything I do now, my hack is like, just get into the people that are killing it because eventually what's going to happen is it's going to feel strange at the beginning because you're like, this is different. It's a paradigm shift, right? It's complete. It's a complete internal where it's like, it feels like you're an imposter. Same thing happened when I was just over in the UK. That was the biggest event I've spoken at, um, you know, in my new sort of endeavors. And I was walking in the lobby after talking with Stephen, Stephen Violet and shit. And I'm thinking, I was like, what am I doing here? Like, why? And I'm on main stage, main stage, day one, talking right after Stephen Bartlett, right after the owner of Grenade, who's a billion dollar company, right after James Smith and before Chris Williamson, then little old me in the middle. I'm like, what is this? But then I just lent into the discomfort of it being like, this is the environment because these guys are playing here. This is actually the new paradigm, the new normal. Yes. So every single time we need to go to a new level, it's about not going, you know, well, what's my new level? It's about who has that next level and how can I get around them? Because by being there, it will start to shift our perception of what we thought reality actually was. So my question is to all of that, like it's, it's easy to understand that information, right? But as you said, so where our, our brains developed over, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of years, right? And then society and, and everything has changed very quickly. But you make that point like before the most important thing was, was, was you know, um, being part of the tribe and, and, and not getting kicked out. Because if you got kicked out of the tribe, it'd be a couple of days and you're probably dead. You can't have you know, no food, no yeah. water, you won't survive. Knowing that's how our brains evolved, right? It's going to, right? So that, that's a fact. But now we know, like you can explain what you just explained and people can be like, aha, that's why that's happening. 
How do you then take the knowledge that you've got now and overpower that human instinct to just fit in and not stand out? How do we take the knowledge and overpower it? First one is awareness. There's three steps of transformational change. First one is we've actually got to become aware. So we can't intervene with a world that we can't see. A lot of people are living in a reality and they think it's the reality, but it's their reality. That's it. Like we all have. So the brain, the brain processes 2 million bits of information a second. They can only actually consciously process that we're aware of about 134 bits of that information every one second. So the rest of it is being left out unconsciously. Our brain will delete it, generalize it, or distort it. It will chunk it together and be like, oh, that's kind of like that. Uh, or it will just completely delete it out. Like there's things that you probably did today, you just can't remember what you did because your brain just goes, that's not important for me to survive right now or to attain my goal. Uh, I'm just going to delete it. So the 134 bits that just get that we're actually kind of aware of. So the first thing we need to become aware of it, if, if we're not, so think about that, right? Two million bits of information, 134. What are the odds of you and me both sitting in this exact experience right here? Same information coming in, right? Pro, like, how can it not be? For our five senses, we're probably getting the same two million bits of information a second. What are the chances that you're processing the same 134 bits that I am? Almost impossible. Almost impossible. That's why you and I will both have a different story of how this exact event went down in a week. And then the more you talk about it, it'll change again and again and again and again. That's why sometimes when doing therapy, they, it, I don't like this way of therapy, but talking about the problem, talking about it. And again, and again, because the more you can sort of go back and change your perception of it and actually re-say it, it'll actually start to change, start to change and start to change. Because these bits of information start to just process differently. Um, but I like to work with people a lot quicker. If we can go back and completely change their perspective in which they viewed the problem and we flip it to a 180, it dissolves in front of their eyes. Because we remove the bits of information that they're holding the problem in. Right. So the first thing is awareness. So we can actually create transformational change if we're not aware of what we want to change. So this is why I love personal developments. We take people through these programs with through I share like through a lot of hypnotic languages, a lot of hypnotic stories, and all these sorts of things to start to dislodge their current perception, their model of the world. So my first step is to change how they actually think they see the world and to become aware that there might be other things to work on. The second one is understanding. So then they need to actually understand, well, how did this problem or issue or conflict or whatever be created? Who did I learn it from? I learned it from mom. And, and the amount of times we've had people come through and be like, oh my God, I've got this belief or this idea. I've been so hard on myself. Why are you so hard? Because, you know, dad used to be so hard on me growing up and he held me at a high standard and because he just wanted the best out of me. And, and then all these things are unconscious, but now they understand that this is why it's happening. With a different level, a level of understanding, they can now see different sides of the perspective. And the third one is reconditioning. So let's talk about, I, I always share this story. So scientists got a group of monkeys. They put them in the cage, six monkeys in a cage with a ladder in the cage. At the top of the ladder, they put a bunch of bananas. Monkey goes up the ladder. As soon as one would go up the ladder, they would scold the other monkeys with water. So eventually these monkeys would get pissed off and beat the shit out of the monkey that climbed up the ladder every time it happened. So eventually no, no monkeys would ever climb up anymore. So then they take a monkey out and they put in a brand new one. He climbs up the ladder. It's a sheep being out of him. Left to wonder what the fuck did I just walk into? They change out another monkey, put another monkey. He goes up the ladder. It's a sheep being out of him by every single one, including the one that just came in before. He just joined in. It was the environment, yeah? <clears throat> they kept doing it until every monkey in the cage was sitting still, not one of them would go up the ladder and not one of them had been scalded with water. Now, if you'd ask the monkey, bro, 
why don't you go after your bananas? He'd probably say to you, well, that's just the way things have always been done around here. But now let's say we take one of these monkeys and we put him into the cage over here. But in this cage, they've had an abundance of bananas. As soon as the bananas are gone, they replace it and they put more in there. There's more in there and they're all supportive and, and they don't care because they know there's so much bananas to go around. He would go in and first be really scared because he'd intuitively be like, don't do that because, well, why not? Because I don't know. I just know you can't. So without switching cages, they would never become aware that the attainment of the bananas was actually possible and allowed. It would just become a thing and eventually they would create a mental scotoma in their head just like with, with blinding, right? We can create a blind spot in our brain where our reticular activating system will not even pick up things that are in our awareness that can provide opportunities to us. If we continually tell ourselves, we can't have it, we can't have it, we can't have it, we can't have it, let's say for decades maybe, or your parents say you can't have that because this is this, you grow up thinking, well, I can't have that until somebody goes, how come? Well, I don't know, because mom never had it. But if mom never had it, does that mean you can't? Well, I don't know. Could you? Possibly. How about we start working and actually get it? Huh. Then you start to become aware of, well, actually, I'm being blocked because it wasn't even my story. I learned it from somewhere else. I learned it from this generational pass down. But the monkey has started to become probably scared, but now it's aware. Fuck, I can have my bananas. Then after a while, it's going to start to understand. How come they have it here and they don't have it here? Maybe eventually through some good coaching, some programming, and start to go, Ah, because they punish us every single time because my great-grandparents over here, they got punished when they got it. So that's when it's got passed down, but it's actually safe for me to go after it. And then eventually it's going to start to take a leap and it's going to feel uncomfortable at the beginning. It's going to start to, can I take a banana? And it's going to be scared, but it'll take one and I'll have one. I'll take another, have one. And it continually recondition the new behavior, right? I have to continually recondition the new behavior. And then if we look at, so how can somebody go from here to here? It's about becoming aware, understanding why, why they are where they are, and then actually choosing a new pathway and then reconditioning that pathway, reconditioning that neuro pathway in your brain and just with a habit, with a habit over and over and over and over and over until that becomes the new normal. So it, so the answer to your question, it can come. The shortcut is to change the environment. Because if you start surrounding yourself with people that that's their normal, eventually it's going to feel weird. But you've got to sit through discomfort and then continually do it or just recondition it on your own like and have that discipline to be like i'm going to keep doing it, keep doing it and notice when you're slipping up to something else i'm not going to choose anymore i'm choosing this I'm choosing this so let me ask you this essentially what we've been talking about for the last 5 minutes is programming right yeah what do you think's the worst way that you know people society is being mass programmed right now <clears throat> let's talk about what programs somebody before we so I don't want to talk about what it, I don't want to talk about what it would take to brainwash somebody. I wouldn't want to say that people are being brainwashed. I would never want to say anything like that. I also wouldn't want to tell you exactly how people get brainwashed, but let's look at how the brain works. Okay. Zero to seven. The brain is a little unconscious mind. There's no prefrontal cortex yet. So everything you're learning about the world pretty much is built between zero and seven. That's the biggest sponge phase. Your beliefs, your values, your identity, they're the three biggest um, drivers of your human psyche, who you believe you're at the core, what you value in all these different areas of your life, and your core beliefs, general beliefs, um, global beliefs, all these different things, a program between zero and seven. You're not even aware of it. So you're in hypnosis, right? This is why, like, so I'm a hypnotherapist as well. So at our programs, we'll do nights of hypnosis. 
have a lot of fun, have a bit of web play around, but then we just do mass reprogramming through hypnotic language patterns. Because if I can put them back into a phase exactly how they were at zero to seven, I can reprogram their mind. But for things that they actually want, things that I guess support them, remove like weeds and things, right? So zero to seven is that. Next phase is zero to 14. Zero to 14 is the modeling phase. So we're going to identify, we're going to, we're going to develop what we believe to be true about the world, ourselves, our values, our beliefs, these things, this next phase comes from our role models. Now, if we think about who are the biggest role models, like who are your role models growing up? My older cousin. Your old cousin. Think uh, like cartoons, movies, like outside influences. Or what Sports happened? players. Sports players. Okay. Right. Lee, Michael Clark. Okay. So Good sports players there as well, right? Yeah, like elite. Okay, right. So if so, if you're watching some of the bad ones, right, you plug it down a path of. But if they're, but it's good that they're like your, they're your major role models, and that's played a part. Obviously, you, know, you pick people who are successful because whatever happened, your 134 bits of information collecting up to there, you're like, I want to find people that are doing well, and then now you ro- you model them to want to be like them and succeed, yeah. But if we look, I grew up watching The Simpsons, right, and I use this example every single time we run our mind and money program. We talk about it's all, where did you learn about money and wealth and rich people? Rich people are bad, evil, right? Yeah. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Your biggest role, who watched The Simpsons growing up? Yeah. Who was the rich person? Mr. Burns. Did they love him or hate him? No, they hated him. What was he always trying to do? Take over the world. Be greedy. So we start to develop a role model, right? And we start to learn of what our construct of the world is, is based off the biggest influences. Now, there's so much conspiracy with The Simpsons, how they've predicted fucking everything. Like, that's some gnarly shit. Um, but you got to think about lots of different things. Like I said, I don't get too conspiracy on this, but I'll just, I'll just drop some things and people can think what they want. The thinking about if you knew exactly what programmed the mind and you wanted the whole generation to be a certain way, you'd probably really hit them between zero and 14. Zero to seven, right? But who influences a zero to seven-year-old? Parents. So what are they trying to do? Let's put them in school really young where we can just start to get early brainwashing. Let's tell them they can be whoever they want to be in life. Let's tell them they can be, you can be really successful or you can be this or, hey, you can even choose if you want to be a boy or a girl or a sheep today. You can be a giraffe if you like to. And then they just creates confusion. It's the early brainwashing, yeah? Um, And the next era is all this role modeling. Think about the biggest influences in the world. Every single rapper. Have you ever heard a rapper make a song about I got twenty bands of in uh, I got twenty bands in my investment account, bro? Have you ever told? Have, you ever, have they ever made a song about my investment portfolio, getting rich through assets? No, they make songs about being I got all this money and I blow it. I got chains, I got cars, I got Gucci belts, and they're just influencing the spend spenders. Like make money, spend it, make money, spend it, and keep people in right. So these all these influential things celebrities, we can go down the whole Illuminati thing of like, like these are the biggest influences in the world. And they're literally telling people what they need to say and do. So that's seven to 14. Next phase is 14 to 21 and socialization phase. So the people we surround ourselves with physically, mostly that's, that's where it really comes from. So we start to really see big changes there. But after the age of 21, most of your program is completely done. Your brain's still developing up to about 25. But then there was also a myth that people thought that you couldn't alter the brain and change the brain after 25. It's fully developed. And that was the old way of thinking. Well, they've shown over the last few decades through neuroplasticity and neuroencoding that it's a complete myth. Like I've had people in my room who are 40, 50 years old who have lived a life with complete trauma and anger and all these things from like rape victims, like the most crazy things. And they think 
well, I am just who I am because this happened to me at 16 and I can't change it. Bullshit. Five minutes with them doing some different things, completely different person. Their skin starts to change because we hold trauma in our skin. Like, so I can see people if, if like, I can see really traumatized people because their skin's different, like big blotchy sort of just the color tones. And we've seen people go from having red, big red blotchy sort of faces and like stuck cells to 10 minutes later, white and clear and beautiful. They look 10 years younger. It's mental, absolutely mental. So we can absolutely transform the brain. But let's talk about, you asked the question, what's influencing most people? Before social media, it was the media, right? People grew up watching the news. And when we watch the news, when we watch TV, actually, we're in a state of trance. So if we're in trance, our brain's going back to what it was, and that's zero to seven. If you've ever driven your car and you're driving, the next minute you miss your exit, five minutes later you realize, you're like, fuck, where am I? Or you get home, you're like, I can't remember the last 10 minutes I drive because you're in the state of trance as well. When we're driving, we sort of focus on a focal point. We zone out, we're going to have peripherals and, we'll, and we'll, our brain waves will lower into a state where it's being, it can be easily programmed. So then you think about the things we listen to in our car, we listen to the radio, all this is going, it's very susceptible. It's literally the same, same brain waves from zero to seven. We can also access this first 20 minutes of the morning. As soon as you wake up, your brain's, and this as well, that's why you should never get in your phone first thing in the morning because it's just programming you. First thing we should get up, focus on gratitude. If you've got a vision board even, just go and look at it. Go and start to imprint this into your brain and focus on things like this, your first 20 minutes in the morning and then also the last 20 minutes before bed. So it's like what started to help me before I got into all this stuff was just recorded affirmations, put on my phone under my pillow. And I started to notice after months of change of just how I thought about myself. Like it's just crazy because we can reprogram while we're sleeping. But so we think about the media is hugely, which is why it was owned by, you know, one person, which 80% of the media is controlled and owned by the Murdoch family. Um, but then what's crazy is you look at the influx of the new age social media, podcasts, no one can really control that unless you've been sort of plugged back into the system. And, and, and I'm seeing, I'm starting to see it happen when they get influential people, like these big, bigger people connected with the media, channel nine people sponsoring people and bringing them in so they can now control the narrative again. Uh, we saw it through COVID. How many Instagram shout, accounts got shut down? How many people's things just got shut down, blocked, all this because they were just, how many doctors came on and were saying things like, this is actual truth. That's happening from the jabs and blah, 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 blah. And they'd be like, oh no, that's uncensored. You can't talk about that. Because it's very controlled because they know that this is programming people to think a certain way. And then it's, now it's not a conspiracy. It's all come out and be like, oh, actually, yeah, the jabs fuck a lot of people up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people were trying to tell you about that, but you were blocking it. So the biggest thing is it's it's the media, it's the things that people are listening to because between those those periods of time. But then also, let's look at what brainwashes somebody. This so I'm not gonna say that people are brainwashing people. I would never I would never say something like that. But I'll tell you what has to happen to effectively actually brainwash somebody. There's a few different things that has to happen. And then you can just think about, oh, maybe I've been brainwashed. I don't know, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But the first thing is hypnosis. So hypnotic language patterns. So there is, they, they discovered through decades ago, the first one, well, hypnosis has been around for centuries, actually, like thousands of years, the early Egyptians, Indians, they would use hypnotic language patterns through spelling. So they figured out that language could literally cast spells. That's why it's called spelling. And through language, we can, we can literally create our own reality. Then there's certain patterns in which we say it can pierce the conscious mind and embed right into the unconscious mind. There's lots of these language patterns. There's things like generalizations is one. 
So if we say things like, we're all in this together, it's a hypnotic language pattern, right? I wouldn't say, I'm just making things. I don't know where I heard that one. I heard it somewhere. So but like, if we say things like, we're all in this together, it generalizes. And we think, well, cause we want to be with the pack. We want to be, we want to be with everyone. We want to be with all everyone's doing this is, is generalization. And people use it in sales. Hey, most people choose this package. Then we go, oh, well, if most people pack it, if most people do it, then I want to be like most people. It's all, it's been used in sales as well. If non-language patterns is the first thing. The second thing is how to effectively brainwash somebody is they need a high, um, a high reward for when they're, so they're going to get a big reward for doing the thing you want them to do. So let's say like training a dog, you take them outside, when they, they pee inside, you go and punish them, take them outside, you give them a reward when they pee outside. And then that's how you train a dog. Same with humans. So let's say, for example, I don't know. Let's say, for example, you will get rewarded because you can leave your house again. Um, you can travel. Um, you get to go to weddings again. Uh, you get to go to funerals again. Uh, if you be a good person like everybody else. I'm just, just examples. I don't know. Right. And so that's, it's, it's a pretty big reward, right? I, I even saw during, uh, they were giving out money. Like if you, if you went and got, uh, vaccinated, you can go in the draw to win cash. Have you seen the video in America? I, if, if I show you, you will not believe it's real. It's some American politician fucking up there. This old guy, 60, 70 years old. And he's, um, saying, if you go and get this done, you, you what? How takes a bite of this burger? You'll get this delicious burger. And what did you say? There's some fries on the side. Like you, if you, if I showed that to you now, you wouldn't believe you think that's parody. That's a spoof. That's a joke. This is literally the shit they were doing. Yeah. And it just blows my fucking mind. But they wouldn't know why they're doing it because they're being told to do this by people higher of up, right? Of course, but like, fuck, is that yeah. not enough to wake anyone up? But, but So you got to look at the majority of people, right? Because also if an authoritative source tells us something, we're a lot more likely to believe it, right? So if it comes from the media, that's why podcasts work. I could be making all this shit up. I could have, I could just be making this shit up. If people will listen for it from the podcast, be like, oh, it must be true because it was on a podcast. It is true, by the way. <laughs> I know what I'm fucking talking about. Um, but if it comes from an authoritative source, this is why they get the most influential people. We have a perceived, we, we perceive them differently. We put them on a pedestal. It must be a credible source. The media, you know, it's just, it's a thing. But it doesn't mean it's true. But our, our generation sort of grown up, definitely question shit. And I think a lot of people now after COVID, like question Everything like it's it's nuts. So it's good. So let's look at it, right? Hypnotic language patterns, um, massive pleasure, massive reward for doing the thing. Like you get to travel, you get to have all these things, you get to have your freedom back, get your freedom back. Right. Number one value of masculine energy, freedom, right? Second, the third thing is what has to happen is a huge punishment, punishment. If we don't, uh, if we don't do the thing, smacking a dog, don't pee inside, go outside, give your reward. Just like that. Boom, boom, boom. So the punishment, let's just say, for example, just because we're on the topic of that, let's say the punishment is, oh, if you don't get it, everyone else can go outside, but you still can't. If everyone, oh, the worst, they create division. If you don't get a job and there's a wedding happening and you're, if there's one person who's not vaxxed, then it has to now drop to only 20 people. So because of you, we can't have the wedding of our dreams. So we just won't invite you. Punished. Um, stay inside more, lockdown more, you can't travel. So literally it's just back and forth, pleasure, pain, pleasure, pain. If I get it, I get to travel. If I don't, I'm going to stay inside. Fuck me, hypnotically, the whole time, all this is happening, right? That, that is enough 
to do anything you want to someone. The last one is drugs, LSD usually. So what they did, there's a group called MK Ultra, right? So MK Ultra, they have done this and there's just been like, I'm obsessed on this shit. And there's still to this day, I forget the president. I th- it wasn't the one who got shot in the head. Um, was that Ronald Reagan? JFK. JFK. There was one who came just after him and maybe it was Ronald Reagan, the one I'm thinking of. He got shot just by a random person in the street. Dude come out, shot him. And still to this day, this guy is in jail and he could have been released ages ago if only he said I did it. But still to this day, this guy says, I'm not, I'm not admitting it. I have no memory of that whole week of my life. I just have no memory. Like I, one day I was this, next time I've been in jail and you've been telling me I've been doing this thing my whole life. I have no memory of it. Now what they've done for MKUltra is they've shown that through these different types of things, they can literally find people who are super suggestible, pleasure, pain, continually drug them and just like alter their body chemicals to continually program them over and over and over. They can even put them into a state of amnesia where they forget everything. But then it's the body's anchored with like, same as when you drive down the street and you see a red traffic light, you, your body anchors wants to stop because red means stop, green means go. It's so anchored into us. So if they can start to anchor things in, like biggest brands in the world do it, McDonald's. Bah, 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 bah. You hear that and you're like, oh, it anchors a feeling. That's a sound anchor. So there's lots of different things that you can do to, to brainwash and manipulate people. But you might be thinking, but they didn't drug us or anything. True. But the number one chemical that releases a lot of serotonin in our body and oxytocin, which is our love chemical, is vitamin D, which is the sun. And a lot of people are deprived of vitamin D. So we could probably say, well, a lot of our natural body chemicals were probably a lot lower. That's why a lot of people were depressed through COVID because they weren't just getting vitamin D. But then the next thing, we get oxytocin, our love chemical, just connecting with people. You connect with a friend and you see someone smile. You see someone smile, it releases oxytocin. It makes us feel good have a hug, all these things. So anyway, I'm not saying that's what happened, but that's effectively you ask, how does someone get programmed? That's how they get programmed. So interesting, man. And I feel like <laughs> uh, we could, we could talk about this stuff for fucking hours on end. Literally like, yeah, I feel like, and I mean, I, I don't ever want to tell people what to think or, 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 or what to do, but it's just, I can only speak from my personal experience. Like my perspective of the world has changed dramatically over the last three or four years to the point that it's just like, I feel like, and again, I'm, I don't tell anyone what to believe or whatever, but I feel like to believe some of the stuff that people still believe, I feel like you're choosing to live in ignorance now because it's easier. It's more comfortable than, but it's like, but you have the power to change everything, but it's all, it's all up here. It's all in your mind. Right. And it's just making that leap. And, and when people change their life, well, I'll tell you the first time my life changed and it goes back to that, like, it was almost like a state of hypnosis was when I, so long story short, we'll get into it on yours. I did uni, hated it. Then it's like, fuck, what's the opposite of that? Did acting, did acting for five years. And then I'm like, okay, I want to, you know, earn some proper money, have more control over my career. Started working in corporate. And at that time that I moved to corporate for a little while, did sales um, is when I started listening to Gary V every single day for hours and hours and hours. And just hearing someone with his unique perspectives and like he was brought up around business. I grew up in the suburbs of Southwest Sydney. I didn't know anyone that had a business. I don't know any of my family or business. The reason you said who was your role model look, growing up was my cousin, right? He, he was super smart. He, he's, he's worked for me and he's done, doing amazing things like a, a CFO of a, of, of a massive, massive like 
you know, $100 million plus valuation group, a group of companies and, and still helps me out with things. But it's like, I looked up to him, so I modeled what I wanted off him, but he's very risk adverse. He's very intelligent, but he's very risk adverse. So he followed the more traditional path made that work for him. Finance guy, right? Finance guy. Yeah. When I tried to do that, oh my God, I couldn't think of anything worse than fuck, fucking yeah. that. But it took me, you know, so long because that's all I knew. That's the only message I was told. And that's why school's so fucking shit for creatives and entrepreneurs because you don't get taught to think differently or to chase the things that make you feel good. This is how you, this is what you got to do. This is how you do it just because we say so. And, and you follow it. So I didn't get into business. I didn't even think I'd start a business until listening to Gary Vee for ages. And I'm probably 23, 24 launched the business around that point in my life. But listening to the, for the first time, hearing people talk about other perspectives and ways of life completely changed everything for me. So a big part of what I'm passionate about and, and for you as well is taking people, you know, out of that rat race, the fucking matrix, whatever you want to call it, and actually start living a life they fucking enjoy. So going back to your, the, the, the process of your dream out loud. So the first one was it's the right environment. The right what's, environment. The, what's the, what's the rest? Like how do people move out of, they might have started listening to interesting podcasts, different thoughts, doing some research and making their own opinions and realize, Hey shit, maybe this life I'm living, this career I'm working in isn't truly fulfilling to me, to, to, to what I should be doing or what, Deep down, I feel like I'd love to to spend my time with while I'm on, on this planet. Where do I start? I've, I've still got to pay the bills. I've got a mortgage. I've got to pay rent, whatever it is. I can't just quit work and go live on a yeah. farm tomorrow and fucking hang out with the cows and pick mushrooms or whatever. That's not realistic. Where do people go for some, most people? Where do people go from there to actually fucking, I've got the perspective shift. Now I've got a plan for where I want to go. First step, right environment. Second step, how do they actually create the change to, to live on their own terms? Yeah. So the next one is the right vehicle. We've, we've all got to discover the right vehicle. So for me at 21 years old, a friend introduced me to a network marketing business and I had no idea about it. All I saw was I was a carpenter at the time and then he invited me here and I saw a whole bunch of people who were rich millionaires in their twenties, traveling, having freedom, retiring their parents and stuff. I was like, that's better than working on the building site. And I dived into that. So for me at 21, that was the right vehicle at the time. So let's say if somebody's working full time, they, they've got to find something. So if, if the job itself is not the, the vehicle for them, right? If their career is not for them, they've got to either start a business or on the side or because sometimes people are like, oh, nine to five is so bad. It's like, no, doing a nine to five that you hate is so bad. Everyone's got a genius zone. Like, because I have a team as well. And like we, we preach this shit. So I'm like, I'm not going to tell my team to go quit, <laughs> right? It's like, but what I do is I hire people that love what they do. And their, their values are connected to what we do as a company. So now every day they come to work, they love it. It's a big difference. So the right vehicle has to be, we've got to find, so at the Dreamlad Method, we take people through a process and help them discover what I've called your true north. Because when I spoke with Les Brown, I said to Les, I was like, do you really believe everybody can live their dream life? And he's like, that's why we're here, man. He's like, there's a one in 400 trillion chances you've been born. He's like, you're not here by accident. He's like, he's like, what are the odds of you just being here completely by accident for no purpose? Like, fucking no. He's like, so every single one of us have dreams, goals, ambitions, uh, creatives, projects, books to write, movies to make. We all have these things and we've got to discover that. So we can discover our true north in life and it's going to be on the other end of the things that light you up, the things that excite you, the things you spend money on, the things you gravitate towards. Like if you, the things you're always thinking about, this is probably... You are trying to be led down this route already. Then what happens is the world comes along and tells you what you should be doing instead. So the world's like, well, you should do this. You're a smart person. You should go study this. You should study that. And what happens is we should all over ourselves because we take the opinions of other people saying, 
And they're there projecting what their true north is onto us. Now we're confused, right? And a lot of people might get on social media and they will look at on these, oh, in order to have Rolex and Lamborghini, I've got to do a drop shipping business or I've got to do this. Or then they might start doing it, but there might be somebody like me who fucking hates any that shit. Tech stuff, not my, you know what I mean? Like I'm not a, I couldn't do a drop shipping business or build an e-com store or something. Like it's just not my thing. I'm not going to go and learn Facebook ads and shit. Um, it, well, now I probably could. In the beginning, not a fucking chance. So, but if people are looking at everyone else online and they think well, that's what I should do, then they're going to get confused and go down the wrong route. So they've got to look inside and actually be like, what, what's the true north for them and pursue that. And then we find the right vehicle for us. Now there's going to be different times because I did that network marketing business for seven years. Um, I built it to, I was a six figure, six figure business. Um, by the age of 23, I was living in Mexico. I was financially free. We built that to a seven figure in sales every single year. And I was the number one incomer in the whole company under the age of 25. Speaking on stage, it's like 6,000 people and stuff at a time. Like it was sick. And then when COVID happened, I just sort of got to a point where I was like, I've been doing it for seven years. I'm, am I really going to, do I want to keep doing this? I'm kind of over it. And I just decided that I'm done. So I finished it. And then I went through a period again of going like, well, what do I do? What am I doing? And I just told myself, I was like, well, what's the four pillars? Like, well, how did you get to, this is where I really started developing the four pillars. Well, how did you get here? First one was environment. So I was like, okay. I'm going to get into a new environment. Because if I stay in my old environment, I'm going to go back into network marketing. Get into a new environment. What's everybody else doing? So I started hanging around with business owners here on the Gold Coast. Um, and then it started to create more ideas for me. I developed a new vehicle. Started developing the programs and the podcast. I built the podcast. And then I led into that because what really excited me was speaking and training. Like I get lit up on stage. I like to just teach people shit and transform their ways of thinking and help them get results. That's my thing. Then we've gone down what we're doing here. So you've got to have the right, right environment, right vehicle. The next one is the right timing. So the best time to really start going after all your dreams and goals is probably 10 years ago, at least. Next best time is right now, today. And this screws a lot of people up because what happens is I talk all around the world and I say, who's immobilized by fear? Probably hand people like, yeah, fear. Fear of what? Fear of judgment, fear of failure. And then they'll always say fear of success. So a lot of people have this fear to be extremely successful. I've heard that. I've never understood it. It's, it's you know, like I, I can understand to a degree. So I'll break it down because sometimes, because I, I talked to one of my old mentors one time as well. He's like, I don't understand fear of success. But I was like, I kind of do. But people have a fear of success. Then also, well, what if I fail? So therefore, they'll stay exactly where they are and go nowhere because it's scary either way. So we'll do anything to avoid pain because we think pain is bad. We, we must avoid danger. And this is our, so we've got three brains, right? They've got the um, our reptilian part of our brain, which literally is the fight or flight. This thing kicks on within a millisecond and detects if anything's a threat. Before we can even, so the second part of our brain is going to go through a process of sort of figuring out our spot in the pack and the authority and all these things. And the last part is our prefrontal cortex, which is decision-making, the executive, the CEO of us. But as a business operates, things happen down here and the CEO never figures out about it. It's like, well, you just deal with it. That's how the brain works. So if we have a perceived threat that, well, oh, this might be dangerous, before we're even aware of it, we avoid it, but we don't know why. So like, and just get away from it. So the pain and pleasure thing comes into it. So where people can develop a, a fear of success might come down to something like, well, if I'm really successful, they may have a limiting belief attached to it, which they, if, if they believe they become really successful and I have all this, it might believe that might equal one of two things. One, 
the attainment of getting it might bring me something I really don't want. Maybe they're lazy. Maybe they have a perception that stress is really bad. Stress could kill me. Maybe, and then maybe they think to be successful, I've got to go for stress. So they go, well, fuck that. And unconsciously they're like, I don't want to because then this and this and this and that ultimately I don't want to be stressed. I want to be happy. I want to chill. Or they may think, oh, I've got to sacrifice my weekends and I want to just actually party with the boys. And well, that sounds painful to not party with the boys. Fuck that. I'm going to party with the boys because it's instant pleasure. So we avoid pain, gain pleasure, every single decision that we do. So, and then they could also have, the other one might just be, well, if I become really successful, then I might be who I believe successful people are, which then it comes down to their money programming like a Mr. Burns. Well, what if I'm really successful and everybody hates me? I don't want to be hated because then I'm on my own again. I had a belief a while ago that was if I'm really successful, I'll be lonely, bored, and outcasted. Who fucking knows where that came from, but it was there. Was it the opposite when it actually happened? No, well, well that was blocking me. Like, because I kept making money, sabotaging, making money, sabotaging, making money, sabotaging. And I discovered this in October. I was just playing around with my values and my beliefs in this huge internal conflict. Because when you know the shit I know, you just fucking, you analyze everything you do on a daily basis. That's, why'd you do that, Morgan? What's this? What's not that? And, and I figured it out. I'm like, okay, how does limiting belief? I'm lonely, bored, and outcasted. Interesting. And I dug really deep down and the, one of the biggest things I'll do anything to avoid feeling was lonely and bored. So if I'll do anything to avoid feeling these emotions and the thing I want the most means I will get the thing I don't want the most, uh, my brain will do anything in its power to make sure I don't get it because it's trying to keep me alive. So that's where the fear of success can come in. And the fear of failure might mean other things. Well, if I fail, I'm a loser. If I'm this, people go laugh, judgment, da, 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 da which to be honest, that one never made sense to me because there's no such thing as failure. We can only just get feedback. Like my goal is to just, like we were talking about my podcast before we started. I fucked it up for three years straight. But if I had waited for it to be perfect until I was really ready, I would have not done it. And you wouldn't be ready to execute on the level you are now anyway. Exactly. So failure is nothing but feedback. I, I like to make as many mistakes as I can, as fast as I can, as frequent as I can. Because every time I make a mistake, I'm like, oh, that didn't work. Like two years into this business now, we still run events and we do things. We just make huge mistakes. And I was like, how the fuck did we do that? Like, oh, well, anyway, how can we make sure it doesn't happen next time? I just love it. Isn't it great what we're learning now and not running events for 5,000 people and that fucked up? Because that would be worse, right? So failure is feedback and it's fantastic. But the right timing comes into this. Right timing is actually using these two forces to create now is the right time and go, what is it I actually want? So use these forces and go, what's the pleasure I really want? And what's the pain I need to avoid now? If we can get really clear that right now is actually more painful than what it will ever be to actually attain the goals we want, then we'll take action. But most people are around the wrong way. Because to be honest, to start building your business now or start working on your goals, it's probably a lot more painful because you have to do things you haven't done yet. So it's a lot easier to just stay on your couch, play video games, watch Netflix, and it is to start building a business. Way fucking easier. But so that's why people don't do it. But the reason why people like us can get up and go, no, I'm not gonna do that now is because we understand that if I keep doing this behavior in 10 years, that'll be the worst life ever. And we hold that pain. So I've always created two future visions. One vision is everything I want. One vision is everything that's gonna happen if I don't fucking do it now. That's what motivates me. So then I come back to my present, I'm like, do it now. So even days I don't want to do shit, I do it because I'm like, I know if I, if I buy into the story of being lazy now and not wanting to do it, then I'll keep doing it. I'll form a habit. And in 10 years, I'll just have excuses. That's it. So I use that pain. 
So we can use the pain to our advantage. And the last one is the right you. We've got to become the right you. It comes down to the right belief system, the right value system, and the right attitudes. So the you that got you to where you are now will not be the you that gets you to where you need to go. Every single new version of success, of life, of happiness, whatever, requires a whole different version of you. Because if it didn't, you'd already have it, right? The universe, God, whatever, is going to meet us with the results to which degree we have met ourselves. So if we're still holding on to shitty emotions or whatever, then we're not going to, we're just going to attract crap into our life still. So we've got to really develop the right belief system that, and I always say this, you got to have the belief that it's attainable, not even that you can do it. Because sometimes people are like, you know, I just don't believe myself. That's okay. Because the belief will come from continually doing things over and over. Belief will come from looking back and having evidence to say, I am pretty freaking good. Look at all these things I've done. I am great at this. But from the beginning, you don't have the evidence. You don't really, it's a bit of a false perception to say, I believe myself now. It's like being congruent. But can you believe that the thing you want is actually attainable? Unless you're trying to colonize Mars, someone's done what you want to do. So of course it's possible. You just haven't learned the skill set and the mindset to have it yet. And that's okay. Just keep going. On that as well, one, uh, one like, and this is something you've probably spoken about before, but like in your line of work, I'm sure you see it all the time. Like the biggest limiting beliefs people have is like, I'm not worthy and I'm not enough. I don't deserve this life. Where does that come from, number one? And then how do you rewire that perception with people? It can't, who knows where it comes from? People are fucking weird, bro. Like it's just, it's just so interesting. And I just laugh. I just laugh. Like the other day I was, I was working with somebody one-on-one and she had these huge problems, right? Things were coming out that was just really bothering her. A lot of hate, a lot of anger. And I was like, where does this come from? And, and we, we, 30 minutes talking. Usually I can figure this shit out within somebody like 10 minutes. I'm talking to her, getting to the bottom again. And I'm like, I think I know, but I need her to know. So I'm asking questions, asking questions, asking questions. Get to the bottom of it. Turns out when she was three years old, she had this memory of her dad doing something just stupid and or like literally just silly, just mucking around as a dad. Like she's telling me, I'm like, sounds like your dad's funny. In her eyes, her 134 bits of information said, I can't trust my dad. And then I'm like, so you can't trust your dad. What does that mean? That he doesn't love me. What does that mean about you? That I'm not worthy. I'm like, oh, do you remember making that up? No, it's fucking three. I remember that now. So what we did as a one-on-one session, it's fucking like I can change beliefs really fast. And it's really awesome. But it's like really, essentially, if we can actually go back to the first one is, like I said, the three-step process. We've got to become aware. She wasn't aware of that. When, when she become aware, she was like, whoa, I didn't know. I'm like, well, let me ask you, have you ever struggled with dating? Yes. Have you ever had men cheat on you? Yes, all of them. I fucking wonder why. Because you attract men you can't trust because of that primary belief. You'll attract them to reinforce your belief. That's all we do. We go out there and we'll find things and we'll find evidence because we have a part of our brain. The reticular activating system works like a heat-seeking missile going to find us information and evidence to prove the things we believe is right. Because it's about, it's about uh, hunting and survival. So if we say to ourselves, Today, I need to go and get 10 customers. Perfect example is this. If I said to you, hey, dude, let's go tonight. Let's get dinner tonight. And you're like, sure. What are the odds we're going to have pizza? I don't know, one in a thousand or something. There's so many things we could eat. But if I say to you, tonight, we're going to have pizza for dinner. Great. Now we know what we want. For the rest of the day, unconsciously, we're going to think about, well, how are we doing it? Are we going to go out to dinner? If we are, which restaurant are we going to? 
or are we going to cook it at home? Okay, we're going to cook, okay, we're gonna have it at home. Okay, we're going to order it. If we are going to order it, where are we going to order it from? Or are we going to go to the shop and we're going to go buy all the material? Our brain's going to start to think and collect evidence. And then on our drive home, we're going to see, oh, pizza capers, Domino's. Oh, was that always there? Domino's is at the front of my fucking house. When did that get there? Been there 20 years? I ah, wasn't even aware of it. But now you're aware of it because your brain's like, hey, that's an opportunity. You can use that for now because now you've plugged something in that you actually want to focus on. So, but we've got all these root cause beliefs. Like you said, the unworthy thing. That is probably the biggest thing I see. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. They're like the three biggest and it's crazy, but they can all just be programmed and created from crazy little pieces of shit. Like three-year-old looking at her dad, seeing something. He was trying to be funny to entertain his daughters. And she just thought, I can't trust him. And I'm like, this is, this is wild. So then she, once she understands it from a different perspective, we start to recondition it. So when I work some, with somebody one-on-one, we can literally pull beliefs out like that in like three seconds. And then what happens is imagine that. Imagine if we, from three years old to however you are old now, if we rip that living relief out from here. Time doesn't exist. Based off quantum physics, time doesn't actually exist. So if we can change the past, it also changes right now. Like it, it has to. Right? If you ever go down the rabbit hole of quantum physics, they've studied that time is not actually, time is an absolute construct. It's completely made up. And the things that we focus on seem real. So based off quantum physics, if we're not aware of something, it doesn't exist, period. But at the moment we are aware of it, it exists. So if we can get rid of the awareness of a problem, it completely, based off quantum physics, removes it from our cells. So I, I messaged her before. I was like, how are you feeling? She's like, she used to get these crazy migraines all the time because that's why we started working. She's like, this is happening. What's going on? I said, I don't know, but I got to, we could probably have, you know, what I figured out, I was like, you're definitely angry at somebody. But I don't know who. That's what I thought it was. Turns out we did it. She's been five, six days now, no migraines at all. She's like, this is fucking crazy. She's like, I still feel a little bit interesting. I'm like, oh, you're going to feel fucking weird because <laughs> you lived your whole life unconsciously like that, looking through those lenses. Now I've shifted your focus and you're like, what is this world? It's a little bit strange. She starts to recondition for a bit, which is the third one, right? Just continuing reconditioning. So, but you know, and the work never stops. Every day I become aware of new limiting beliefs I have. Like we're like an onion. Like the more work you do, the shit's just going to come up. It's just crazy. Like, and I, last time I talked to Kerwin Ray, he just went through that a hectic stroke. And, um, which is funny because strokes is the byproduct of stored anger. So every disease that happens in the body is just dis-ease in the body. So we have something off happening underneath the surface. So it manifests through disease. Cancer is manifested through hold, held anger and conflict. Conflict in the body is cancer. So if I ever talk to anyone who's got cancer, I say, who are you, who are you got conflict with? Last person I said that to, she goes, Fuck everybody. I said, well, let's fucking start clearing up. Let's go and repair relationships, clear it up, become at peace with it because it's just conflict and that's how it gets manifested. So I said to Kern, I said, interesting, you had a stroke because like you're so aware of like human performance, the brain, psychology, and you had a fucking stroke. It's the byproduct. He's like, yeah, byproduct of fucking anger. I know. I'm like, so what happened? He's like, well, the problem was through all the work he's done, he just kept lip, ripping back the onion layers. And eventually it got to a point where this root cause of, Anger. He's like, I just had a memory when I was young. I just had all this anger. Just bursted through the surface when he was ready to deal with it. So here he is. That he's he's forty something, I think, and um, he's had his big fucking stroke. And we're talking about all this. And he's like, it's yeah, it's crazy. He's like, because he just wasn't ready to deal with it ten years ago, twenty years ago. 
But if you look back on the how he used to train 10 years ago, he's this ball of red energy, like fiery. Now he's like fucking cool monk. He's just like chill. He just came all out, dealt with it, and he's processing and reconditioning this new new version of him. So, so let's end it on this. We'll start to wrap up now. Once people have, first of all, they've changed their perspective, maybe they've changed their environment, they've started to rip back the, the layers of the onion now, they're ready to, you know, put together a plan. Something you speak about, I want to I hear your thoughts on this for, for people. How does someone that, that's ready to fucking, you know, put rocket fuel underneath it and start making those big changes, how do someone that just isn't sure exactly how to go about it or where to go, how does someone create a powerful vision for their life? Pretty simply. Go forward five years and pretend like you've got a blank canvas and just paint whatever the fuck you want on it. I drew my first vision board. Can't draw for shit. And, and I'll tell you what I did. I, I drew a vision because all I could imagine was living on, because here's the thing with vision. If we're not being pulled by a vision of a better future, then we'll recycle our past from the, from the past. We'll just recycle what we know is true. So essentially a lot of people are running their life looking backwards. It's like driving a fucking car down the highway looking only in the revision mirror. Most people do that in their life. But in like it doesn't make sense to do that. Like even if you went past a massive speed bump, if your goal is to, if you're on a if you're on a rally car race and you hit some massive fucking thing, you probably one second after don't give a shit about what it was because you're on to the next thing. Because you continue looking forward. So we must have a vision of the future. Otherwise we're just recycling everything from the past. We're living, we're living literally looking in the revision mirror. So I just went forward. I was like, I was like, what do I really want to create? What's my dream life? And I just created, I drew palm trees, I drew a hammock, I drew a sunset. I just wrote Mexico. I drew Latina women around me dancing music. And then as I was drawing, it, it was just coming to my head, putting it into my neurology. And I'm like, that's the life I want. And I just started to see and visualize it. Then what I actually did, I started to anchor that vision with a song every day. So I'd look at this vision, I'd listen to the song. And it was um, Danzo Kuduro. I don't know if you know. It's like a full, like, you listen to it, it's like, ah, oh, yeah. It's like, and I'd listen to this song every day and, and, and anchor it with this vision. So now I've got a vision in my mind, anchored with a song. And I tell you what, whenever times were hard, I put a song on. And I'd be like, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. Because if we have a vision, if we're standing in a square room, I say to you, run a straight line to that side of the room as fast as you can go. I throw a table down in front of you. You'll probably just run around it. But you disobey what I ask you to do. I said, run a straight line. If we're in the exact same room and I said to you, run anywhere in this room you feel like going. You'll go, where should I go? I don't know. Figure it out. You'll dawdle. You'll go very slow. Now I'll throw a table down in front of you. You'll either stop and go, oh my God, this is the universe telling me it's not for me. It's, it's obviously too hard because it should just be easy. And you'll stop or you'll just go another direction and be like, oh, I've changed my mind. But the exact same situation, right, in each situation was the exact same obstacle. But the second, the first time you use your own problem-solving skills as a human being to just figure out a way around it because you knew exactly where you're going. Next time, the obstacle became the problem and it took you out of the game and it probably made you doubt yourself. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do it. Oh, it's not meant for me. Then meanwhile, I'm running past you, jumping over the table and you're like, oh, but it's only for those people. You know, and people just make up shit. But the thing is, the first time you're crystal clear on where you're going. Second time you won't. See, if you're clear on where you're going and you know it's for you, obstacles coming your way and you're like, fucking try me. 
Yeah, it's so funny. As soon as you said that, like in my head, I just like hurdle that bitch, you know, like jump yeah. straight over it. Yeah. You, you don't doubt it, right? You see it, you know, and, and through doing it a lot, you start to really develop a really great relationship with yourself, your ability, and all these sorts of things. And because sometimes I can now gauge things and go, is this a test to see how bad you want it? Or is this actually a sign saying, no, it's not for you, go this way. And I just have a lot better ability now to, to decipher that on my own. How, how do I know if I'm right? I don't fucking know. I'm, everyone's making up shit as they go along. No one's got life figured out. No, Tony Robbins doesn't have life fucking figured out. He's just doing, hey, here's what's worked for me for the last 63 years. I'm going to take all of this. I'm going to try to do my best in this next moment. Oh, no, I fucked it up. Okay, well, here's another moment. Oh, fucked it up again. We're all making shit up. No one knows what they're doing, but we're just winging it. We're trying to do our best. But if you get into an airplane and the captain says to you, guys, I'm really excited. This trip's going to be amazing. I don't know where we're going yet, but I, I'm confident we're going to get there. You'd probably get the fuck off that plane. But most people, that's what they're doing. They've got no idea where they're going and they haven't figured it out yet. But the first thing they need to do is just put something in that GPS coordinate and then just get off the ground. No plane. Like think about this. For a plane to leave Sydney Airport to land in LAX, what are the odds that the runway is in the exact same degree that it's going to land in? It's impossible. Even if it is possible, now let's say it's flying to Japan. Now it's not. If it takes off, like so, so, the, so the plane most of the time takes off and doesn't know where the fuck it's actually going. Like all it does is goes, I know I'm going there. It's in my GPS. Let's just get the ground, the plane off the ground first. Then let's give it a hundred percent throttle. Let's get to a nice altitude. Then we're going to start to turn and turn. Then we're going to figure out where we're going. Then you're on track and then nope, you're off track again. Oh, then you get back on track. Oh, then you're off track again. Then you get back on track. And if you ever watch the line flying from here to LAX, you're like, the whole time you're never on track. So they're continuous course correcting, working with the wind, working with the wind. You know, it's, it's a continual just game of going, know where you need to go, doing your best in every single moment. And for every single moment we transition and we change, we develop more self-trust in order to make better decisions next. Pretty much all it is. I love that, man. So tell me for everyone listening, like what's next for you, for your events, for the podcast, and then for anyone interested in all the fucking awesome shit we spoke about and you're, you're a much deeper resource than this. So we could probably chat all day. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, what, what's coming up next for you and everything you got on and where can people find that if that speaks to them? Yeah. So we've got a couple of places you can come hang out. Instagram is my main spot at Morgan T. Nelson or the Dream Out Loud podcast. So you're going to be on there. Dream Out Loud podcast had amazing guests on there. We're on YouTube now. Um, so you can watch them and stuff. That's the main stuff. Um, what's next for us? Because I've actually changed the name of my company to the Dream Out Loud Institute because I, I want it to be, it's not me. So I'm really focused on creating this as an actual institute and we'll have coaching certification stuff down the line where people can, I want it to be the one-stop shop where people can come and get the skill set and the mindset they need to literally create their dream life through amazing educational programs, seminars, where it's just fun as shit. So really what it is, is taking this and just throwing some gas on it. Like we've spent the last two years running lots of these different programs and testing them and getting amazing results of people. Now I'm ready to start bringing through hundreds at a time. Um, and then we run an event once a year called dream fest. And the last two years we did, it, it was like a big multi-speaker event. We had John Martini speak last year. James Smith was this year. And next year I'm making it two days because I just want it to be like the festival for entrepreneurs every year. I just want to make this fucking sick place where if you're a go-getter, entrepreneur, you want to do dope shit, 
you've got to be at Dreamfest every year. So that's sort of the big thing. Um, yeah, that's the big thing we're sort of focused on. Just make this this dope event. We take it around the world. And then the Dream Island Institute, a million people through that thing in the next five years is the goal. Yeah. I love it, man. We'll have all the links in the show notes for anyone interested anyway. But thanks for coming on. Let's go again. Back to back, baby. Let's go. Let's go, baby. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or you got something out of it, do yourself a favor, do me a favor, do your friends a favor and share this with them and they can come along on this journey with us. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.